Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how's everything going? Oh, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yes, yes, you're blessed. So we're all blessed. But you know, I was thinking this week, earlier in the week, and in the last part of the labor holiday, I was watching something on television, and this lady was saying how bad she wanted something, and she wanted this particular man, and she wanted this man so bad, she was just praying to God, asking him for this man, asking him for this man, and later on into their relationship, this man started to uh, beat on her, mm. and it was it was a sad situation, and you know, one thing I got from that was this. Sometimes we can let our desires, our lust, we can let that take over. And we think that we're hearing from God. Wow. You know, have you ever seen some, somebody want something so bad, but what they wanted was really bad for them? You know, it's funny you say you were watching something. You know, I watched this show um, where they have these people who are obese. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, I find myself watching it all the time because it's intriguing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you watch the people and they say they can't help themselves. They have to eat. And some of them are, you know, seven, eight hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, their lust is for food. They, you know, they can eat like they had this one guy where he was eating, you know, literally 33,000 calories a day. Wow. And if you can imagine, you could feed a football team with that amount of food, you know. And so it, it, it's intriguing, but it's also, you know, almost like a sad commentary when you see somebody that, that and they have to go through that and they can't control it. Well, they feel like they're, and they feel like they're helpless. Yes, that is, that's a very, uh, that's a sad situation. And, you know, we see so many people... You know, they're they, they constantly saying, I want this house. I want this particular car. And I'm praying and I'm asking God for this car and this house and, and whatever else that they're asking for. But the thing is, will God get the glory out of what you're asking him for? Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's why tonight's show is going to be, you know, just extra special. Because the person that we have coming on, he's going to talk a little bit about that, you know. And... You know, I, I think that it's important in the body of Christ that we start to recognize mm-hmm. when it's a lust yeah. versus versus something that you want or versus something that that you need. You know, mm-hmm. because even a desire can be something. You know, not a lust. You know what I mean? Right. You know, because sometimes you can turn a, a lust into a desire. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not something that that you would use for your own edification. It's something that you could use. Well, no, let me let me take that back. If it's a lust, it's something that you're going you're going to use for your own edification. Mm-hmm. It was rather a desire is something that you want, but you understand when God gives it to you that you're supposed to use it for His glory. Yes. But you know what? I was you know we were saying right before the show how people pray for. Things, and they say, well, you know what? God told me this was for me. But now let's look at the situation. He said that this is my Adam. He told me that you're my Adam, you know, a woman telling a man. But now this man is married to another woman, so how can this be your Adam? Right. How can, why would God tell you this is your Adam, but he's married to another woman? And these are the kind of things that, we, you know, people say, well, that's my Adam. I know that. God has already told me that. Brian, where are they getting this from? Do you think it's a mix-up in in the communication with God? You know, not at all, because God is not the author of confusion. You know, and so if he's not the author of confusion, he wouldn't send you a mixed signal. His, you know, his, his order, his direction is clear and concise. When you hear from God, you know unequivocally that it's from him. You know, there's no there's no deviation in what he does. He doesn't 
speak in you know in in riddles and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yes, if, but Brian, when, he, when here, it comes from him, it's directly from him. Yes, but Brian, here she is saying it, it's it feels so right though. Well, you know, it that's that's based on emotion. And see, God is not an emotional God. He's the type of God where he, if he gives you something, he's going to give it directly to you. He's not going to deal with emotion. He's going to deal on what's right. Okay. You know, he's an omniscient God. He's all-knowing. So he knows what to tell you, how to tell you, so you know it came from him. And if you got these mixed signals, it's not that he's sending mixed signals. It's, that, it's just that you're assuming that these things are coming from him. Mm. You know, he's not going to send you, he's not going to tell you that, you know, it made, it made me think about um, where I work. We do, uh, we do real estate business. And one of the, uh, at one time there was a lady who came in. She came from South Florida, and she said God told her that this particular house was going to be hers. Mm-hmm. So she drove up from South Florida, and she came into the closing and she didn't have any money. And she was trying to purchase a $750,000 home. And she didn't have any money. But she came to the closing because she said that God told her that this house was going to be hers. And so they had to turn her away. Mm. You know, and, and, and some of the people were making a joke about it. And, you know, the thing that I said was, Maybe God did tell her that it was going to be hers. But maybe she didn't hear him like she was supposed to hear him. Maybe today wasn't the day it was supposed to be hers. Not yet. Not yet. You know, sometimes <laughs> when God speaks to you, he tells you this is going to be yours. But now you have to put the things in place. See, if God's going to give you something, he's going to give you all the tools you need to obtain that. He's just not going to just sit it in your lap. And say, here, here's a freebie. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's free is salvation. Yeah. <laughs> everything else, <laughs> you will have to put some effort towards it. There's a price for everything. You know what? Tonight, sure, it's going to be awesome. We have a mighty woman of God, Brian. I'm telling you, it's going to be. It's, we're going to have a good time. Yes, yes. Tonight's show is called "Are You Sure?" with special guest author Yolanda Griffin. <laughs> and Yolanda Griffin has a book that's coming out very soon. It's called. Lusts of the flesh. Wow. And we will now invite her in. <laughs> Thank Griffin, you, Greg. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Hi, Yolanda. How are you? Fine. How are you doing? doing Welcome great. to the Abundant Solutions Thank Hour. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're glad to have you. We've been talking for how long now? Wow, it's a long time. <laughs> yes, finally. Yes, yes. You know, I was looking at your book in, in the cover. Mm-hmm. I sent the information out. And I was getting emails back. Everybody it caught their eye. Everybody wanted to know what is this about? What is this about? Wow. Well, the lust of the flesh. It's a book about a young lady, and she was a close member of our family. And she came to New York from the island of Tobago, and she came to New York searching for a better life for her and her daughter. And her daughter's name is Sandra. And then, you know, when she came to New York, she got caught up in the nightlife. She got caught up in the partying. She got caught up in the club scenes and hanging out. And then after a while, in order to support her habit, because when you're doing those type of things, you need the finances. So in order to support her habit, she searched for a job. And she found a job working for a born-again Christian lady. And as she works for this born-again Christian lady, the born-again Christian lady becomes conformed to her lifestyle instead of the Nicole becoming conformed to her lifestyle. And then after a while, Nicole goes back to her country, and something happens which I cannot reveal, and then she comes back to New York. But the ending of the story is what's so important about this book. The ending of the story will blow the reader's minds. And the ending is the definite message, and it will change the lives of many people. Mm-hmm. But the important thing I want to tell you about this book is that when Nicole came to New York, she allowed the pride of life, she allowed the lust of the eyes, and she also allowed the lust of the flesh to take over. And these 
verses that I just just mentioned, you can find them in 1 John 2.16. But I heard you two talking about lust. And I would like to really define the word lust for your listeners. In the Nelson Dictionary, the meaning of the word lust, it refers to the desire for things that are contrary to the will of God. And that is very important. The lusts are contrary to the will of God, which means that it goes against the will of God. So if you have a desire for something that goes against the will of God, it's called lusting or it's having lust. For example, you did mention earlier about overeating, how someone was 800 pounds and they said they couldn't help it. Overeating is a spirit of glutton. And the Lord God is against the spirit of glutton. So if you're desiring to eat more than you're supposed to eat, you're not eating in moderation. You're eating excessively, which makes you a glutton. So that means you're doing something that is contrary, like I said earlier, which means against the will of God, and that's where it becomes lust. Another thing you also mentioned earlier was when a young lady said that another woman's husband was hers. Now, in the Bible, it says do not commit adultery. Now, if this woman and this man is married, the woman who is outside of the marriage, who is claiming that this man is hers, can cause adultery to happen. Now, adultery, again, just like glutton, is contrary, which means, again, against the will of God. And that is where lust comes into play. So that's really what the, the root of lust meaning. Now, I can get into more about what the lust of the flesh means, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's, if it's okay with you all. Yes, it is. Oh, Go ahead. By all means. Okay, now, I mentioned already the lust of the flesh. That's the name of my book, The Lust of the Flesh. So let me explain what the lust of the flesh is. The lust of the flesh is when you desire to fill your physical desires, not spiritual desires, but you're desiring to fulfill physical desires. Now, there's a difference between spiritual desires and physical desires. Now, spiritual desires are things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, you know, all of those things, faith and patience, all of those things are spiritual desires. Now, physical desires, which is the opposite of spiritual desires, are things such as when you desire cars, um, food, like we mentioned earlier, houses, sex, um, etc., things of that sort. That's physical desires. Now, we're not saying it's anything wrong with having those things, because God wants us to have an abundant life. But first, Seek ye first the things of heaven, which is spiritual things that I just mentioned to you, joy, peace, love, and then the cars, the houses, the money. All of those things will be added unto you. All of those things will come after you first seek the spiritual things, which again is love, peace, long-suffering, faith, generosity, cheerfulness. All of those things are spiritual things. Now, let me give you an example in the Bible where the lust of the flesh took place. For example, when the devil told Jesus to turn the stones into bread, the devil was appealing to Jesus' natural need for food. Okay, that's a physical desire. And you can find that scripture in Matthew 4.3. And when the tempter came to him, I'm reading the scripture to you now. It says, and when the tempter, which is the devil, when the tempter came to him, which is Jesus, he said, if thou be the son of God, he's questioning Jesus, command that these stones be made bread. You see, so what he was doing was tempting Jesus to fulfill his, his desire for food, which is bread. Yeah. And throughout my book, The Lust of the Flesh, Nicole, who is the main character in my book, she only focused on physical desires. Now, another example of the lust of the flesh was the story about Adam and Eve. And this took place in Genesis 3. When Eve saw that the tree was good for food... She ate the apple, which brought sin into this world. Again, she fulfilled the lust of the flesh, her desire for food, which was the apple, which caused 
sin to come into the world. So this is what the lust of flesh is all about. Now, in 1 John 2.16, I also mentioned the lust of the eyes. Okay? Now, the lust of the eyes is when you're craving for things that are appealing to our sight, to our eyesight, things that look good to us. We feel that it must be good for us. For example, some young ladies might see a man, and they'll say to themselves, wow, he looks good, he's handsome, he's sexy, he's appealing. And then automatically they feel that he's good for them because they're appealing to what they're seeing, the lust of the eyes to what they're seeing. Now, the lust of the eyes, it plays an important part in my book also because something that Nicole thought, Nicole is the main character, something that she thought looked good, it turned out to be terrible for her. This was her number one downfall in my book. Something that appealed to her eyesight is what destroyed her. Now, let me give you another example in the Bible where the lust of the eyes came into play. The devil showed Jesus all the kingdom of the world. He was appealing to his sight. Because, I, because, again, I told you that the devil showed, okay? The word showed means eyesight. You're using your eyesight. You're showing somebody something. If I'm going to show you something, I'm appealing to what you're seeing. I'm appealing to your eyesight, to your vision. So the devil showed Jesus all the kingdom of the world. He was appealing to Jesus' eyesight. And you can find this scripture in Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil taketh him up. I'm reading the scripture to everyone who's listening now. It says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain. Okay, Satan took Jesus up to a high mountain. And then the scripture continues, and showeth him. Again, the word showeth comes about, which means he's appealing to the eyesight. He showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. You know, he's showing Jesus how wonderful the kingdom of the world looks. The glory means bright and appealing to the eyes. And then it continues in, in verse 9. And he said unto Jesus, all these things will I give thee. Now tell me if Satan doesn't have some nerve to tell Jesus what he's going to give him. And Jesus is the creator and the ruler of this earth. And he's telling Jesus, look at all of these wonderful and beautiful things. I can give it to you if you will fall down and worship me. Now the devil is telling Jesus that he will give Jesus everything that's in his eyesight right now if he will worship him. That's trying to appeal to the lust of the eyes. And in Genesis 3, that I mentioned to you earlier, huh? it also deals with the lust of the eyes because I know a lot of us know that when Eve, when she saw the tree of good and evil, what caused her to eat of that fruit? What caused her to go to that tree? Because it was pleasant to the eyes again. And the scripture does say that the tree of good and evil was pleasant to Eve's eyes. So that's what caused her to eat from that tree. So then I just so far, I summed up the lust of the flesh. I summed up the lust of the eyes. And now the third thing is called the pride of life. Now the pride of life, it appeals to a person's ego. It appeals to their need to be like God, to feel important, to feel better than. It deals with arrogance and vainness and conceitedness. When my main character in my book, Nicole, when she started going out to the different clubs and partying and hanging out, you know, she felt like she wasn't important. Because remember, uh, I told you that she came from the island of Tobago. And when she came to New York, she had nothing. She had no money. She had no clothes, no jewelry, no cars, houses, or nothing. But when she went into the clubs and she saw the other young ladies in the clubs, they were all dressed up. They had on $200 outfits. They had $100 hair weaves. They had $200 shoes. They were buying expensive champagne, expensive wine. They were doing all of these things. And when Nicole saw this, 
Her pride came into place. Her ego came into place. And she wanted to be like them. The pride of life began, began to come into place. And she was willing to do anything to become the center of attention, to become important. Her ego was bothering her. And that's where the pride comes into play. And this whole thing that I just summarized to you, uh, if you're listening, you can find that in 1 John 2.16. And the scripture where you can find that at is 1 John, let me find it here, 2.16. And I would just like to briefly read that scripture to everyone. It says here, for all that is in the world, okay, the lust of the flesh, which I just explained to you what that is, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, okay? The scripture said is not of the Father. And those of you who know, the Father is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So everything that I just explained to you is not of the Father. It says, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Okay, so you heard me say that all of those things is of the world. And the reason why the Father doesn't want you to have it or to crave it or to lust after it or to desire after it because the world passes away. It's not here forever. So it really doesn't matter. But the will of God now, that abideth forever. So that's what's important in your walk with Christ and while you're here on the earth. Mm. <laughs> I went through a whole speech. <laughs> no, that was great. That was wonderful. Thank you. You know, immediately the first when you talk when you start talking about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, I immediately begin to think about King David, mm. and when he um, was lusting after Delilah. Was mm -hmm. it Delilah, who was it? It was uh, not Delilah. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't remember her name. I know you're talking about the young lady yeah. who was taking a shower. Right, And he right. was watching her from far away. And he began to, you know, he began to lust after her. And then his pride, you know, I mean, he and he fell into all three categories. Yes. Because his pride said he had to have her, mm. you know, because mm. he was King David. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, he defiled her, and then he got her pregnant. So then his pride said, i got to kill her husband. So then he has her husband killed. Yes. You know? Yes. So you can imagine all the steps he went through to, you know, because of, because he was lusting, you yes. know? Yes. You know, but one of the things that you talked about and it made me uh, think about, you know, um, a book, the book of Galatians. And Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know? With all this talk about, you know, how we fall into those traps, what do you think is the single most important way that we can not fall into the trap of lusting after something? Wow, that's so important because, okay, I'm going to start off with Christians. Now, Christians out there who's listening right now, the number one way that you can resist falling into lust is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The flesh, with its passions and lust, is to be crucified. And if you want to find out more about that, you can go to Galatians 5, verse 24, and go to Titus 2, verse 12. And this is how we as Christians can resist lust. You have to stay prayed up, number one. You have to pray continually, like the Bible says, and pray without ceasing. Praying continually and praying without ceasing means to pray every chance that you get, Try your best to pray morning, noon, and night. Try not to skip a day of prayer. Because I notice in my life with the Lord, if I skip a day of prayer, I can tell the difference in myself. I can feel the spiritual lows. I can feel that I cannot handle everyday tests and trials and struggles as I could when I'm prayed up. So number one, stay prayed up. Stay before the Lord. Fasting. Fasting is what kills the flesh. Because right now we're talking about fleshly desires. Fasting kills the flesh and builds up the spirit. So in order to deny your flesh of what it's desiring, of what it's lusting for, of what it's craving for, you must first kill the flesh. Kill the flesh 
through praising the Lord Jesus. Kill the flesh through fasting and kill the flesh through worshiping and kill it through praying. But number one, you need that Holy Spirit which guides you into everything, which gives you the power to overcome these things. Now, people who are listening who, who do not have the Holy Spirit within them, I recommend you from deep down inside that you need this Holy Spirit. Things will be much easier for you with this Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong, you're going to go through tests and trials, but you always have that hope when you have that Holy Spirit. He'll show you things that you've never seen before. He'll give you that warning sign that says, wait a minute, this is not right, this is not of me. You're lusting, you know, you're lusting with the flesh, you're lusting with the eyes, you know, your pride is coming into play. So for the non-believers or people who are not filled or who have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the number one way to overcome your, your fleshly desires is to accept Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior. And you'll see how things will change. Yes, yes. Good but, stuff. Yes. I just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. And we have on tonight our special guest, author Yolanda Griffin. Ms. Griffin, you know, what you said was so true about, you know, for the for the non believer, you know, they have to accept Jesus Christ. You know, that's the that's the single most way for them not you know, for them to get over, you know, those lusts, those worldly lusts. And for the believer, you know, that's an easy thing to say, but you know, for some reason, for so many believers, it's so hard to accomplish. Why do you think believers struggle so much with, you know, lusting? I think we struggle so much, believers struggle so much with lusting because we're familiar with it. Remember, before we became believers, we were sinners. We were in the world. So we know what it's like. And to be honest with you, you know, lusting feels good. You know, like, sex feels good. You know, eating, eating feels good. All of these things feel good. And the reason why we as believers, we struggle with it, because it causes us to have self-control. It causes us to have self-discipline. And self-control and self-discipline takes practice. It takes training. And, you know, it really takes, it's really hard. It's like breaking habits that you've done throughout your whole life. Most of us, like me, I've been a sinner most of my life. So these are past habits that I have to break through self-discipline. And in this walk with Christ, self-control and self-discipline is hard to do because you're denying yourself of things that in your mind you remember to being good, to feeling good. Who doesn't want to feel good? Most of us do want to feel good. You know, um, sex satisfies us. You know, it really does. We, we are Christians, but we're not, we're not dumb. We know about the worldly things. Sex is satisfying. Food is satisfying. You come home from a hard day's work, you want a good plate of food, you want about two or three chocolate bars, two bags of potato chips, and <laughs> I know this myself because I battled with overeating. And even as a Christian, I still battled with it. And it's just maybe recently that I overcame it. But it took a lot of struggling and fasting and crying out to Jesus and telling him, Lord God, I have this problem. You told me to confess my sins unto you. You will cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and you will forgive me for these sins. So I had to be honest and say, Lord, I have a problem with overeating. I'm not going to lie. I love to eat. Help me. So this is what we have to do, and that's why so many Christians, like you asked me, why we can't overcome it at times is because we don't want to admit it. The hmm. first step in deliverance is admitting and confession. Okay, once you do that, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness and forgive you for those sins. So sometimes we try to pretend that we don't have the problem. That's what's the problem with Christians. Sometimes we pretend we're too, we're perfect, and we're not, we're not open for mistakes. But we have to first admit, yes, we are, we're not perfect, God, and we do have that problem. So like you asked, I think the number one problem is because we don't like to admit and confess our sins. Well, you know, Yolanda, what about the people that have a MySpace question? What about the people that don't know anything about the Holy Spirit? And they're oh. out there in the world, the non-believers, the ones that just don't know. 
what do they do about lusting? Okay, now, the ones that don't have the Holy Spirit and don't know, I recommend you to just speak to God because, remember, if God, God knows your heart. God judges the heart. You do not have to have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost to talk to God now or to, to communicate with Him. You know, you don't have to have that. All you have to do is say, God, you know, I'm not a Christian right now. You know, I'm not, a, a, I'm not living a lifestyle right now that is pleasing to you, God. I know this. I admit it. But I still need your help with my sexual desires. I still need help with my overeating. Don't, remember, God has no respect of persons, and that means that he doesn't look at anyone better than anyone. No one is better than anyone. We are all God's children. For those of you who are not Holy Ghost filled and who do not have the Holy Spirit, God loves you. Believe me what I'm saying right now. He loves you. You matter to him. He wants to hear from you. Talk to him. Communicate to him. The communication lines are open. And my advice to you is just keep it real with him. Keep it real like he's your friend. Keep it real like he's your husband. Just keep it real with him. Consider him your therapist. Consider him your psychiatrist, your counselor. And you go to him and just be completely honest with him. Jesus, I am not a Christian. Jesus, I don't have the Holy Spirit, but I need help. Okay, I need help in this area in my life. I have sexual lust. I have sexual desires. Can you please take it away from me? Can you please give me the strength to overcome it? This is what you have to do. My main, my answer to that question is keep it real with Jesus. Mm. Yes, yes. Keep it real. Mm. <laughs> you know, the other, one of the other things that I know that people struggle with a lot is when they have to reveal that they're, you know, it's not necessarily that they, when they have to reveal it, but who they have to reveal it to. You know, when you're when you're going through something, a lot of times you'll get like a prayer partner or a, you know or somebody that you can talk to or talk with, and you know for some, like I know a lot of times with men, you know, in, in general with men, they don't want to reveal their lust their shortcomings, the things that they go through, because it, it makes them seem as if they're weak or that that they're not man enough to handle a situation. You know, so it, for some men, it puts them at a disadvantage when they have to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with lust. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with, with, with looking at women, you know, or I'm looking at pornography or, you know, I overeat. <laughs> you know, you never hear a man say, hey, I overeat. Yes. You know? Yes. So, you know, how do we break that 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 tag of bondage that that has been placed, especially on our men? I'm thinking about the men right now because women, you know, are actually they're clo- they're more emotional about certain things, and so they'll reveal when they're having a problem with something. But our men, we we kind of hold on to that pride thing, you know, and it's like beat your chest. I'm a man. I ain't going through nothing. But the truth, you know, truth be told, they're they're literally dying inside. You know, so how do we how do we really focus on them and get them to on yourself. <laughs> I, I was watching a television show the other day and a pastor was preaching and he he said how he met his wife. Okay, he said they were in the same room but they did not they did not know each other yet. Okay, she was sitting across from him. Now he's a man that likes legs. He he's a he's a man that judges women by their legs. He he's a leg man. So he saw this woman sitting across from him, and all of a sudden she crossed her legs. And he said he went crazy, and he's a man of God. And he said, oh, my goodness, Lord, God, help me. I'm looking at her legs. Her legs are beautiful. I I don't know what to do. And he said the voice of God told him, calm down, brother, you're a man. You're supposed to be attracted to the woman's legs. Relax, you know. So I'm just telling the man out there, relax. You know, you are supposed to be attracted to women. You know, this is your nature. But it's just where you take those thoughts to. So if you see a woman and, and she's walking by and she's beautiful, nice body, pretty face, you can look. You can admire her. You can even tell her, you know, you're a beautiful woman. You have beautiful legs. You're beautiful. But it's just how far you take those thoughts. 
You know, if you start trying to imagine yourself in bed with her, if you start trying to undress her with your eyes and imagining what's underneath those clothes and things like that, that's where you're taking it too far. But the first step, men, is to realize that it's natural. You're a man, and, and that's your natural desire is to look at a woman, admire a woman. I would believe that something is wrong if you're not. So my number one thing is humble yourself and, to, and know that, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. Remember, Paul, Paul was a very, very, a man full of pride. Oh, was he? And, you know, after a while, he had to humble himself to the Lord. He'll say, Lord God, I have this problem, Lord Jesus. I'm crying out to you for help. My help coming from you, oh, Lord. So, men, if you have a sort of thing where you feel you don't have no one to go to, because you feel like you're going to be less of a man, like I said, Jesus is always there. Jesus will never judge you or look at you as less than a man if you come to him and express your, what would you call, weaknesses to him. Go to Jesus if you want to keep it between you and someone else. I'll, I'll just recommend that you go to Jesus. But just be easy on yourself and just remember it's okay to admire a woman. It's okay to crave sex. I, I don't find there's anything wrong with a man of God desiring sex. But where it becomes wrong is if you go out and you commit adultery, or if you go out and have sex and fornicate and you're not married. So it's where you take, it's different levels. It's where you take it to. Keep it at the right level. Keep it to just admiration, you know, and, and desiring, and just wait on the Lord to produce you with that woman or that mate or that wife, and then you'll stay into the law of God. You know, Yolanda, when, when it's a beautiful thing what you're saying, but what about, a man that's trying to do that, and everything he sees on television is about sex. Wow, well, everything he sees on television is about sex. Do you think maybe he should turn off the television? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, we, we watch football games. In mm -hmm. the, the commercials, everything turns to, everything is turned to sex. The beer commercial, that that's dealing with sex. Even, even, People trying to sell cars, they're going to have some woman, they, some kind of way is going to tie into sex. And that just seems to be one of the strong, I mean, one of the strong strongholds on a lot of men. Yeah, but um, I, that's why I feel, again, the way I, what I talked about earlier, the self-discipline and the self-control. Mm -hmm. I think we have to try to develop that more in our lives because it seems like everywhere we're going with this topic, it boils down to having self-discipline and self-control. Because yeah. most of the things on television, it does pertain to sex and murder and guns and violence. And, you know, so what we have to do is control what we watch. For example, if you're watching the football game and then the commercial comes on with a lady with her breasts out or nudity, what you do is maybe walk away from the television until the football game comes back on. You know, take responsibility for your thoughts and your actions, you know. If you're watching a movie or something and you see a sexual part come on the movie, get up and walk away or cursing or something's on the movie. Get up and walk away. You know, make that first step. You know, resist it. It is written in the Bible that when you resist the devil, he must flee. He must flee. It does not say that he might flee, or perhaps he will flee. It says that he must flee. He has to flee. So the first thing I'm telling you guys out there is to resist him. Try your best to resist him. Remember, it might not happen. At, it might not work at first. But we're just human, and God knows that we're just flesh. But practice makes perfect. Yes. But what I recommend you to do is try to do it for 21 days straight. Most habits are broken in 21 days. You have a desire for a woman, a, 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 an, un, an inappropriate desire for a woman. I recommend that you resist it, okay? For example, a thought might come into your mind, oh, wow, you know, um, I know what I can do with that woman, or I wonder how she looks with her clothes off. Immediately, you stop that thought. You put up your stop sign, and then in the place of that, you say, but you know what? I am not supposed to think that way, and I resist this thought in the name of Jesus. So every time a negative thought or inappropriate thought comes into your mind, immediately stop, pause, and replace it with a thought that is positive. 
So, and, and try that for 21 days, and most habits are broken for 21 days. So the question that you asked me was, how can a man resist that on television and things like that? And my answer to that question is, walk away. Yes. You don't walk away. Self-control and self-discipline. Yes. Good answer. Good answer. Thank you. Yes. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have on special guest, author, Yolanda Griffin. And, Yolanda, I have another question. You know, the title of our show is, Are You Sure? You know, and, you know, we've really been focusing on, you know, when you're asking for something or when you're, when you're wanting something, you know, are you sure that God has given that to you? You know, or, are you sure that's what God wants you to have? You know, what, what do you believe the real reason we want stuff is? Okay. The, the main reason that we want things is to fulfill our own needs and to fulfill our own desires. For example, uh, at the beginning of the show, you mentioned that how a woman said that someone else's husband was for her. She wanted that to fulfill, I believe, a lonely desire. Okay, you mentioned also about the person that was 800 pounds. They ate food to fulfill, it could be an emotional, you know, a, a lack of emotions, an emotional barrier, something that was missing out of her life. She used food to replace it. So a lot of times people are missing something, and that's why they lust for things. A lot of women are lonely, you know, and they want something. You know, I'm single. I'm a single woman, and at times I get very lonely, and I desire a mate. I desire a husband. So that's why people are, what I, what I say, desire things, because something is missing in their lives. Mm, mm, mm. You know, something. You have to really search deep down in your soul and think, what am I missing? You know, what is it that I want? That lady, I believe that she wanted that man because of something she was missing. She either wanted a companion, she either wanted to fulfill a sexual desire, maybe it could have been pride to say that she took away that woman's man. You know, it could have been that. You know, when I used to overeat, I used to eat because I had a hard day at work and I'd come home and I'd just try to fill that void of frustration and, you know, and just eat and just eat and eat and eat until the feeling of frustration went away. So most of the times we desire things to fill up an empty spot or a void in our own lives. Yes. You know, when you're dealing with lust, do you think, now I'm going to throw this out there, do you think that we need to ask ourselves the question, how will God get the glory out of this? Oh, wow. With lust, though? Hmm. Wow. I, I'm, I'm wondering, is there a difference between lust and desire, though? Well, the reason I say that is God is not going to get any, any um, <laughs> he's not going to get any glory out of your lust. But you know what's so funny? Because I did a little research, right, on lust, mm -hmm. and I'd like to read you a scripture where God does, there's some lust, this is amazing, that God does approve of. Isn't this something? Okay, this is found in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 12, right, mm -hmm. verse 15, it says here, Notwithstanding thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates, mm -hmm. whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee, the unclean and the clean may eat thereof as of the roebuck and as the heart. Okay, mm -hmm. so... This person was lusting for food. Right. And God said it blessed them with it. It was okay. Now, in, in Deuteronomy 12, verse 20, it says, When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Okay, that's another scripture where they wanted to eat meat. And he said, go ahead, whatever thy soul lusteth after, eat at that moment. Now, verse 21, it says, If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy earth and of thy flock, which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. 
So, you know, is there something that your soul lusts after that the Lord God does approve of and that he will bless you with? So to answer that question, I think there are some positive lusts <laughs> out there. You know, it's amazing because he gave me the scripture right before I came on. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering to myself, why did he give me this scripture? You know, the Spirit just leads you. He, just, he gave me the scripture, and I wrote it down, and I said, it's the reason why he gave it to me. I'm just going to keep it handy. So there is, there is some positive lust out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe, for example, we should lust after the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? <laughs> hey. Lust after him. You know what I get from that, Yolanda? I get <laughs> that if the Lord gives the approval to that lust, you know, he he has to give you approval of that before you can do it. You know, because that's what I got out of that verse when I was reading verse twenty-one. Yeah. And and actually, it read ahead when you as you were reading, I said, well, "What does twenty-one say?" Yeah. You know, because I saw it and it says, "Thou thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after." Yes. And so he's saying, you know, as long as he has commanded you to do that, yes, then it's okay. Yes. But a lot of times, people jump out there, you know, like I, like the example I gave with the lady who said the Lord gave her, you know, told her the house was going to be hers. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people jump out there, and because the Lord has has told them, you know, you're going to have this, or they believe the Lord has said you're going to have this, they believe that it has to be now. You know, we're, we're in this microwave-type society where everything got to take 30 minutes or less. Yeah. You know, yeah. what would you say to people who, you know, who believe the Lord has told them to do something, but you can see right away that they're not equipped to handle what the Lord, what they say the Lord has given them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I believe that if the Lord has given something to you, he will provide the provisions for it. He will provide the money for it. He will provide the time. He will provide the energy. He will provide the opportunity for those things because, I believe that patience is virtue, and a lot of times people don't have patience. And they're quick. They're quick to just run off of a first instinct or a first message. But sometimes God might tell you this is for you, but not at this moment. So that's why whenever someone asks you to do something or someone comes to you, you first have to pray about it. Pray and then wait to hear that still voice, that still voice from the Lord. And remember, like you said earlier, Brian, that God is not the author of confusion. So if you're not sure about something, most of the time, God is not behind it. If you're not sure, God will give you clarity. God is a clear God. God is not the type of person who plays games. He gives you the runarounds. It's either yes or no, not maybe. So God will make sure that you know that it's by him. For example, the Bible says out of the mouth of three or four witnesses, um, the word is confirmed a lot of times. So sometimes you'll pray and ask God, Lord God, should I go ahead with this dream? Should I go ahead with this goal or vision? And then you wait, and you'll notice that he'll send people to you that will come to you and say, you should go ahead and do this. For example, when I first got the vision to do the the radio program that I do, um, Keeping It Real with Jesus, one person came to me and told me, you should do a radio program. I did not run out there because of that one person that told me that. What I did was I prayed, and I said, Jesus, if you want me to do this radio program, let me know. Send some more people to me. Let me know. Give me a sign, a confirmation. That's what it's called, a confirmation from God before I go out there and do this. Within two days later, two days, two people called me. You know what? You should do a radio program. Okay? About an hour later, my phone rings again. You, you know what? Put upon my spirit. You should do a radio program. So, so far, that's three people. I said, God, if you send me one more person, I'm going to go ahead. I want to know that this is of you, Jesus. Send me one more person, and I'll know that this is what you want me to do. The next day, a friend of mine called and said, you know what, Yolanda? It's upon my spirit. I think that you should do a radio program. Bam. That was it. I went ahead. I went out in faith. I didn't have all the money needed to do it, but I went out in faith based upon the word of God. The word will be established from three or four witnesses. I stepped out there, and two years later, I'm still on the air with this radio program. So that's what you have to do. Pray 
and wait for the confirmation. Confirmation is when God really lets you know that this is what you want you to do. Other times he'll tell you through his word. One time I was wondering, should I go out and get a job? Should I go out and work? I prayed about it, and about a day later I opened my Bible. And I just automatically turn to a scripture. Because what I do is sometimes after I pray, I'll close my eyes and I'll just randomly open to any scripture. So what I did was I randomly opened the Bible. I closed my eyes and opened it to any scripture. And did God told me the Bible, go out and labor. Go out there and work through his word. So a lot of times what you have to do is to pray, wait for the confirmation, which he'll send it to you through people, or through his word. And that's my answer to that question. Mm, right. Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, the radio show you do. Yes. Okay. The name of my radio program is called Keeping It Real with Jesus, and it airs in Maryland. It reaches over 500,000 people. On this radio program, uh, we conduct interviews with different authors, um, Christian authors, positive authors with positive messages. We can put you on the show. What we do is we give people time slots. It's a 30-minute program, and if you would like to be on the program, we, we conduct the interview over the phone, which means that it makes it more mm, reliable for you. You don't have to leave your house. You, can, you don't have to leave your office. We give you a number to call in, and you just call into the show, and we conduct the interview. I also teach lessons and different uh, lessons from the Bible. We have people to call into the show. And um, it's just a wonderful and a fun show that God has blessed me to be the host of. So um, if there's any authors out there, any Christian authors, any positive authors out there who need more publicity for their book, who would like to be on the show and purchase airtime for their books, um, if it's okay, uh, Brian and Greg will let me know if I can give out um, a number or a website address. Or... Right ahead. Okay, so if, if anyone out there is who interested any authors, uh, the number that you can call is 1-800-215-7789. Again, that number is 1-800-215-7789. And um, I don't know if it's okay. Can I tell them how they can purchase the book as well? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, um, the title of my book is The Lust of the Flesh, and you can purchase that book on my website at www.keepingitrealwithjesus.com. Again, that is www.keepingitrealwithjesus.com. That's one word. Or you can also call that number that I just gave you, which is 1-800-215-7789. Again, 1-800-215-7789. Now, for those of you who do not have the Internet, you can also send or check a money order to P.O. Box 220-101, Rosedale, New York. And Rosedale is spelled R-O-S-E-D-A-L-E, New York, zip code 11422. All checks and money orders are made out to Yolanda, which is spelled Y-O-L-A-N-D-A, Griffith, G-R-I-F-F as in Frank, I-T-H. Wonderful. Right. <laughs> oh, it's such a pleasure to be on the show today. Yes. Yolanda, I want to ask you one question about your book. We have a lot of people that email us, and they're in the beginning stages of writing their books, and the first question a lot of people ask is, how, I just don't know how long it's going to take me to write my book. How long did it take you to write your book? It took me three months to write the book, and I would have finished this book earlier if I was more obedient to the Lord, but I kept procrastinating, and he kept pushing me and pushing me to write your book, write your book. And I kept doing other things instead of writing the book. And then remember I told you earlier about confirmation again, remember we spoke about that? Yes. He sent about five different people to me to tell me it's time to write your second book. It's time to write your second book. And I still would not listen, disobedience. And then finally I was watching the gospel station, and the teacher was teaching about procrastination. And she <laughs> said, obey, then play. Obey, then play. Because I was spending most of my time playing around, playing games, and doing things that was not constructive. And when that word hit me, obey, then play, I got serious and I finished that book. So it took me about three months to write this book. And then there's some people out there that wants to tell their story about their life, and they don't know how to write a book. I also offer that as services. I can write a book for you, but your name will be on the book as the author. Something what is called ghostwriting, 
which means that I write the book for you, but you will be considered the author of the book. So, again, if there's anyone out there who's interested in that as well, you can call 1-800-215-7789, Brian and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it all out, right, Brian? <laughs> yes, ma'am. But, you know, we encourage that on our show. We want people to, you know, because that's your livelihood. That's, that's how you eat. Yes, so yes, yes. We encourage that. Yes. Yes. You know, we've been having a wonderful time. I, you know, at times I've been, you know, saying, should I yes. interrupt you? You know, <laughs> you know, I don't want. I want to keep it flowing because, yes. you know, you know, with the things that you're saying, you're not just blessing, yes. you know, the, the listeners. You're blessing me. I know Greg is being blessed. Oh yes. yeah. Yes. You know, and yes. it's just encouraging for me to hear other people talk. Yes. And you know, and have like minds, like I, you know, and think like I think. Yes. Yes, because you two are doing a wonderful job for the Lord. You know, you're just giving your services, and, you know, you're not asking for anything anything from anybody, and you will reap what you have been sowing, and I encourage you two to keep up the wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you so much. You're really being a blessing to so many people. We're doing everything that we can. <laughs> yes, yes, and I will keep, continue to pray that the overabundance of the Lord will fall upon you. Yes, yes. Yeah. Brian, I think we have a caller on. Yeah, we do. We have, and they've been really patient. You wow. Know, they, they go to the phones right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes. We have a caller from the 901 area code. Oh, right. 901 area code, are you there? Yes. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Good. Do you have a question or a comment? No, actually, this is my first time, and I happen to um, be online, and I viewed the website, and I I was just curious, and I, actually, I just called about three or four minutes ago. Okay, okay. So I actually missed it, and I'm sorry. Oh, but it missed, sounds interesting. You missed a great, oh, yes, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you can actually listen online afterwards. Oh, great. If you go back to the site. You can actually go back and listen to it later on. Great. And we encourage you to actually go and listen to our archives. Yes. For all all of our listeners out there, if you go to the Blog Talk Radio, uh, it's blog www.blogtalkradio.com ASE Motivation, and you Did can you actually that, go to our archived shows, and you can hear some of the you know previous guests that we've interviewed, and you know you'll definitely be blessed by that. Give her give her the the web address again. It's www.blogtalkradio.com, all one word, and then you put the slash in, A-S-E, Motivation. Thanks. All right. Well, hey, we thank you for calling and listening in, and definitely call us back. We'll be on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. So, Yolanda, your your show reaches over 500 thousand people. Yes. Yes. How, how does it feel to sit there and know that you're doing what God calls you to do? Wow, it it just feels so uplifting. It feels that you're like you're living in the purpose of the Lord. It feels like you're touching souls. It feels like you're making a difference in so many people's lives, especially when people call in and they tell you their comments and their life stories and, you know, what they're going through. Some people, sometimes they call and they just cry. They want someone to talk to. They want an outlet. And, you know, I also was telling you, Brian, about the telephone Bible studies we do. You remember? Mm-hmm. But these are for people like the elderly people or people who have to work on Sundays and they don't get a chance to make it to church, disabled people who can't get to church, or just people who want to be fed more by the Lord Jesus Christ. We conduct Bible studies over the phone. So you can relax in your house, on your bed, on your couch, and hear the Word of God over the phone. What we do is we give you a phone number to call, you call into that number, and you just hear the Word of God. You get to meet people from all over the United States. They tell you their testimonies, their life stories. We talk about the Bible, we fellowship, we sing songs, and all of this is done over the phone. So again, I would like to give out the number if anyone would like to register for that as well. That number again is 1-800-215-7789. If you'd like to register for that, it's absolutely free. This is just a service that we want to do for the Lord because sometimes it's hard to get people to church. So why not bring the church to the people? That's right. 
Yes, right? Yes. <laughs> Bring the church to the people. There's no excuse not to call that number. Right. Right? A lot of times you say, would you like to come to church? Oh, I'm pretty busy now. I'm tired. Okay, well, we're going to bring the church to your home. <laughs> right? No excuse. <laughs> that's, that's really it. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, Ms. Griffin, we love that you came on. And, you know, we really appreciate it, you know, the ministry that you have and the things that you do for the Lord. Thank you. And we'll definitely have you come back on again and bless us. Wonderful. You know, All right. Your words of wisdom that we know God has given you. Yes, yes, yes. You know, wonderful. You know, uh, listening audience, when you're out there and you're going through things and you don't understand, you know, why you're not getting what the Lord, what you believe the Lord is giving you, you have to be sure that the Lord promised you that. You have to be sure that He promised you. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you again for calling in or tuning in, and we hope to hear from you, or we hope you listen in on Friday. We'll have another mighty person of God, Pastor T.D. White, will be joining us again. With that being said, we bid you all good evening, and God bless. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye.